Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about inflammatory bowel disease. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash IBD or in the gastroenterology section of the Zero to Finals pediatrics book. So let's get straight into it. Inflammatory bowel disease is an umbrella term for the two main diseases that cause inflammation of the gastrointestinal tract ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. They both involve inflammation in the walls of the gastrointestinal tract and are associated with periods of remission and exacerbation of the disease. Crohn's and ulcerative colitis have key features that are distinct from each other and these features are often tested in exams. And these are some mnemonics to help you remember which features belong to which condition. The features that are characteristic of Crohn's disease, and you can remember these with the mnemonic Crow's Nests, where nests is the mnemonic. N stands for no blood or mucus, as blood and mucus are less common in Crohn's disease. E is for entire gastrointestinal tract. S is for skip lesions, which are seen on endoscopy. T is for terminal ileum, which is most affected, and transmural which means full thickness inflammation, and S is for smoking is a risk factor. You don't want to set the nest on fire. Crohn's is also associated with weight loss, strictures, and fistulas. Next, ulcerative colitis can be remembered with a mnemonic UC close-up. UC meaning ulcerative colitis, and close-up is the mnemonic. C is for continuous inflammation because there aren't skip lesions like there are in Crohn's disease. L is for limited to the colon and rectum. O is for only superficial mucosa affected. S is for smoking, being protective in ulcerative colitis. E is for excretion of blood and mucus. U is for use aminosalicylates such as mesalazine in the treatment, and P is for primary sclerosing cholangitis, which is associated with ulcerative colitis. So how do they present? Well, suspect inflammatory bowel disease in children and teenagers presenting with profuse diarrhea, abdominal pain, bleeding, weight loss, or anemia. When the condition flares up, the children may be unwell during the flares with fever, malaise, and dehydration. Let's talk about the extra-intestinal manifestations. And patients with inflammatory bowel disease can develop signs outside of the gastrointestinal system that examiners like to test. And it's worth remembering these extra-intestinal manifestations. Inflammatory bowel disease causes finger clubbing, erythema nodosum, pyoderma gangrenosum, episcleritis and iritis, inflammatory arthritis and primary sclerosing cholangitis is specifically associated with ulcerative colitis. Let's talk about investigations and testing. Blood tests are useful to look for anemia, infection, thyroid, kidney and liver function. A raised CRP indicates active inflammation. Fecal calprotectin is released by the intestines when they're inflamed. And you can use fecal calprotecting as a useful screening test as it's more than 90% sensitive and specific for inflammatory bowel disease. However, this is in adults. 
Endoscopy can be used, which could be an OGD or colonoscopy, and you can perform a biopsy. And this is the gold standard investigation for a diagnosis of inflammatory bowel disease. Imaging can be used with ultrasound, CT and MRI, which can be used to look for complications such as fistulas, abscesses and strictures. Let's talk about the general management. Any child presenting with symptoms suggestive of inflammatory bowel disease should be referred to secondary care for assessment and management. They will be closely followed up by the multidisciplinary team and this team includes paediatricians, specialist nurses, pharmacists, dietitians, and surgeons if necessary. It's essential to monitor the growth and pubertal development of children with inflammatory bowel disease, particularly when they're having exacerbations or being treated with steroids. Management involves a combination of inducing remission during flares and maintaining remission when the patient is well. It's essential to monitor and support their growth and development and patients are likely to need input from a dietitian. Firstly, let's talk about management of Crohn's disease. And this section is based on the NICE guidelines that were last updated in May 2019. So please see the full guidelines and talk to seniors before treating patients. With Crohn's disease, inducing remission, the first line is steroids, which could be oral prednisolone or IV hydrocortisone. An alternative to steroids is called enteral nutrition. And this is used in children where there are concerns about growth or side effects of steroids. Enteral means via the intestines. Elemental nutrition involves giving an elemental or non-elemental feed to provide the optimal nutrition. An elemental feed is one that contains the basic amino acids, sugars, fats, vitamins and minerals, all broken down into their smallest parts. And this makes it easy to digest and absorb. There are several ways that the feeds can be given. They can be given orally, or they can be taken via a feeding tube, which goes into the stomach, called a nasogastric tube, into the duodenum, called a nasoduodenal tube, or into the jejunum, which is called a nasojejunal tube, or they can be given directly through the abdomen into the stomach via a gastrostomy. It's thought that the enteral nutrition works by improving the gut microbiome, however the exact mechanism is not proven. If the steroids alone don't work, consider adding immunosuppressant medications under specialist guidance, and these could be azithromycin, mercaptopurine, methotrexate, infliximab or adalidumab. Next we'll talk about maintaining remission. And treatment to maintain remission is tailored to the individual patient based on the risks, side effects, the nature of their disease and the patient preference. It's reasonable not to take any medications at all whilst well. First line for maintaining remission in Crohn's disease is azathioprine or mercaptopurine and alternatives are methotrexate, infliximab or adalimumab. Let's talk about surgery. When the disease only affects the distal ileum, it's possible to surgically resect this area to prevent further flares. However, Crohn's disease typically affects the entire GI tract. Surgery can be used to treat strictures and fistulas that are secondary to the Crohn's disease. Let's move on to management of ulcerative colitis. And this section is based on the NICE guidelines again that were last updated in 2019. So please see the full guidelines and talk to seniors before treating patients. Firstly, inducing remission. 
In mild to moderate disease, the first line is with aminosalicylates, such as mesalazine given orally or rectally, and second line is with corticosteroids such as prednisolone. In severe disease, the first line is IV corticosteroids, such as hydrocortisone, and the second line is IV cyclosporin. To maintain remission in ulcerative colitis, you can use aminosalicylates, such as mesalazine orally or rectally, azathioprine or mercaptopurine. Finally, let's talk about surgery in ulcerative colitis. Ulcerative colitis only affects the colon and rectum, therefore removing the colon and the rectum, which is called a panproctocolectomy, will remove the disease. The patient is left with either a permanent ileostomy or something called an ilioanal anastomosis, or a J-pouch. This is where the ileum is folded back on itself and fashioned into a larger pouch that functions like a rectum. This J-pouch is then attached to the anus and collects stools before the person passes a motion. So thanks for listening to this episode on inflammatory bowel disease. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you find the podcast helpful and you want written notes on these topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Pediatrics book. You can also find full audiobook versions of the Zero to Finals books on Audible. And you can find notes, videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com. And I hope you tune in to the next episode, which will be about biliary atresia.